Welcome everyone to another episode of the Charity Charge Show. I am so excited about this episode. Today on the show, I have Mark Rand, who is the managing partner of Community Capital Advisors and interim executive director of American Nonprofits. Mark, thank you so much for being with me today. Hey, Stephen, I'm excited to be here. So hi, everyone. Well, I really am excited about this because, you know, I've had a lot of different guests on the show and one of the big themes that I continue to appreciate both about Charity Charge, but really candidly my, my life in general and this path that I've gone down is the amazing people that I'm, that I'm able to meet, you know, just as a byproduct of running Charity Charge. And, and we connected and we're going to share a lot of that with the audience um, probably, I don't know, at this point, five or six weeks ago, and we've been chatting, I feel like almost weekly. And the stuff that you are both knowledgeable about and you've already done and the things that you were doing, getting set up for the future, just highly exciting to me, love learning about it and talk, have a conversation with you today about some of the innovations that, that you're bringing to the nonprofit space. It's really cool to do this. Thanks. Yeah. Super fun. Right on. So can you um, tell first just the audience a little bit about yourself and also let them know um, about your current roles with American nonprofits and community capital advisors? Yeah, so um, just real quick, I started in um, in commercial banking, mostly international banking, back east, that was interesting. Um, did that for five years, but then I was like, I need to get out of this. Um, so did a little soul cleansing by joining the Peace Corps and um, moved to Romania, um, where I was in charge of a team of, I think around 35 folks um, to open up credit unions in Western Romania, having never opened up a credit union, um, let alone in Western Romania, it was certainly an interesting process, but I was there for two years and had great people to work with. So we received funding from USAID and World Bank and IMF and got all these fancy awards and did all of this really cool project work on building these uh, credit unions. Um, and, and a lot of democracy building as well, since, um, you know, democracy was relatively new to Romania. Uh, the folks, um, the Romanians, suffered a lot of uh, despair and trouble, um, not only from the political system, but the banking system, which was obviously connected as well. So anyway, so there was a, a big lift. Um, they're still up and running, so, um, and a lot of cool um, democracy work as well. So that was fun. Um, and while I was in Romania, I met my partner, um, and he was traveling, um, in Eastern Europe and, uh, fast forward, then we, um, I moved to be with Scott and, um, and so anyway, um, moved to San Francisco to be with Scott and, um, and then started, um, pretty soon thereafter with Marin Community Foundation, which is a large community foundation based in California across the Golden Gate Bridge. And there I um, ran the loan fund. So we we're making loans to nonprofits in Marin County, a lot for affordable housing, um, but every type of nonprofit you could think of, a Zen uh, retreat center, a bocce ball court, um, gosh, we did some weird stuff, uh, nonprofit theater company, um, an affordable housing houseboat community. So all sorts of weird stuff, but primarily focused on affordable housing. Um, and we were able to raise uh, the capital from about two to three million to about $25 million in assets um, for the loan fund. So we were making um, loans to nonprofits, usually about 4% interest. 
and um, and then we'd get those funds back and then recycle and, and all of that. So we received in, uh, investments from Wells Fargo and Morgan Stanley. And then I also built a product, which maybe we can talk about at another time or later in the podcast um, for the foundation, um, which is connected to their donor advised funds, which is also known as DAFs. So we were able to um, get money from um, donors while their funds were sitting at Marine Community Foundation idly or invested in Wall Street, we were able to create a portal basically. And it was one of the first times um, in the country that we did that this was done. And we took those funds at the DAF level um, that are just sitting there and, um, and, and again, maybe invested in Wall Street or whatever, but um, we created an opportunity for folks to invest into the local loan fund. Um, so that was cool. So we were able to raise a couple bucks from that as well and, uh, and invest in the community. And that's what it's all about is supporting the community and trying to support organizations that are doing great work that can afford a loan and try to lift them up um, and, um, and help them um, scale or you know, meet their vision or dream or whatever. So well, anyway, so stay there, yeah. actually, Mark. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Let's stay there for a second before we specifically talk about community capital advisors and American nonprofits, because I want to focus. I think a lot of people listening, um, there are a few things. I even just took down some notes of some of the terms and things you talked about. I mean, first you were talking about credit unions. Uh, then you know you were talking about community foundations, DAFs, loans, and nonprofits. So I want to sort of yeah. unpack some of those terms yeah. and. I think the perspective is I try to put myself in a headspace when I was just initially uh, starting charity charge and sort of in research mode, I had never had any practical experience working at a nonprofit, let alone running a nonprofit, dealing with foundations, some of that sort. And I think that there's a lot of um, ambiguity um, with, with individuals that, that aren't aware of, you know, some of these, these vehicles and things out there. So first I just want to start because since we're in this finance space, I find that a lot of people don't know what a credit union is. And, mm-hmm. and, and I'm talking about it from a domestic standpoint. So there's going to be some overlap, but I'm curious if you could talk about what is a credit union and what, what was the thought or the purpose of doing it internationally in Romania? Why, why were they needed? What, what, what yeah. problem does it solve? So um, great question. And I would say I am not a credit union expert um, domestically. So I just- You're you know, on this show, you are. So <laughs> Okay. So um, essentially credit unions are for, um, for individuals and they're usually connected to um, some sort of membership or business or sector or whatever. Like, so the fireman's credit union or whatever. And, um, and mostly- folks can join the fireman's credit union, even if they're not a fireman. Um, so anyway, so there's that. And, and basically it's trying to help folks that are underbanked or may have gotten burned by a bank. Um, usually they're going to provide all sorts of different services. So um, similar to a bank. So they'll have depository offerings and then also um, loan products as well. Um, credit unions for the most part are managed and owned by members. So it's more of a, like a membership base versus like a JP Morgan, where it's, you know, um, owned by, um, you know, the investors and and stockholders. So um, that's kind of just gross, um, you know, X versus Y. 
In Romania, this uh, we started with a credit union idea, um, and actually it was my boss at the time, um, brilliant guy, Jesse Fripp. Um, and so um, the idea was how do we create memberships and how do we work through the nonprofit sector? So this was a play to connect, I'm sorry, to connect individuals to organizations, um, nonprofit organizations, and also um, to the banking sector. So you know, reel back the tape. This is Romania. I was there from 2000 to 2002, 91. Um, you know, Ceausescu uh, was killed, left, whatever. Um, mystery uh, along that. Um, so, you know, the stage, nine Tom. years. Yeah. So, so nine years after like some heavy stuff went down. Romania, we can talk about that all day. But Romania went through some major, major issues. And basically... Um, some communist countries basically bet on putting money into infrastructure with the idea that like if things fell um, and communism fell, that, you know, debts would be basically wiped away. Romania bet on getting rid of debt. Um, and so they paid off all of their debt. Ceausescu was funneling money in. Um, and, and basically, I mean, again, I'm not a Romanian um, expert, so if there are um, uh, to all of the Romanians that I may be botching your history, but this is what I recall, that, that Romania basically tried uh, and, and the government pulled money. Um, so folks were really, really, really poor, super poor. Um, and, um, and, and the federal government was you know, taking some of these funds. Um, so your bank account was wiped out. Um, you know, the, whatever, the factory you know, was, was you know, wiped out or whatever. Um, some major issues. The other weird thing about Romania is they had, they didn't have like diversification in terms of sectors. So like in, you know, this uh, city, they would primarily focus on steel output. On In this city over here, they would make trolley cars. In this city over here, they would do agriculture and whatever. So if one of those sectors, like trolley cars, you know, goes bust, everybody in that city is connected to that factory, everyone else is screwed. So um, anyway, so that's kind of just setting the stage um, for our, our work there. So um, for the most part, um, NGOs, nonprofit uh, governmental organizations weren't really um, around um, because of the you know, political system. So when we got there, there were a bunch of um, nonprofits um, up and running and, um, so of course, Peace Corps was one of them. The way Peace Corps works basically is they bring volunteers and then they identify uh, different nonprofits for the volunteers to volunteer at. And then the, the nonprofit receiving the volunteer then helps subsidize and so does the US government and all of that. So I work with an organization called CHF. CHF got this grant from USA to open up these credit unions. And the idea was how do we connect um, individuals on the street to nonprofits and and also have the nonprofits kind of work between each other while we're looking at um, a credit um, product. So we built the credit product, which wasn't very difficult. We're talking about loans from five dollars to five hundred dollars, and um, but really trying to connect to the democratic side of things was interesting. Um, and and so anyway, in order to, to receive a loan from the credit union, you had to be a member of one of the participating nonprofits. So you could then say, oh, I'm a member of blah, 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 blah. Um, and then 
if you're a member of that, then the, the organization would basically pre-qualify you and say, okay, I know Steven, he's cool, whatever, we're gonna pass along his application to, um, to, the, to the credit union. So we would give the um, screening organization like, I don't know, a couple bucks or whatever um, to say, thanks for getting all this documentation in place and, and all of that. The other benefit was then we had the individual, the borrower, um, would automatically become a member if they chose to of the other nonprofits. So we're trying to make sure that the individual like on the street is getting different types of services. So anyway, so we had that going on. Then, as I mentioned, there was a, um, or I didn't mention this, but there was a board for each um, credit union. So we were explaining like, this is what a board is and this is how a board functions and all of that. So again, just trying to kind of instill some of these ideas. Um, and so we had a board at each of the credit unions um, and we had five credit unions throughout the west of Romania. And then, um, then we had um, the Fundatia or the foundation um, and, um, and credit members from the board of each of the credit unions would then um, um, promote or whatever, or identify somebody as a board member for like the mothership. And so that way they were all communicating with each other. And so it was kind of a cool, cool example. I mean, somewhat of a not pyramid scheme, but kind of like from an organization standpoint, that's how it worked. So anyway, I don't know if that answered your question, but that's how we did oh, it. I, I think it does. And, and I appreciate that. I think a lot of people, I think credit unions are awesome, right? And I really appreciate just the concept and the mission of them. And I found just through just a lot of friends, um, there's a lot of, a lot of people are just used to working with Chase Bank or Bank of America for their own individual stuff. They don't realize that there's credit unions in their community that they could work with. And, you know, oftentimes just get way better rates and, and service. Well, yeah. And, and they're uh, working with individuals that may have been pushed aside by yeah. one of the larger banks. So, um, but also not always too, just to say it broadly. I mean, oh, yeah. Ends oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ends the spectrum and stuff. So, oh yeah, for sure. So I just really, really appreciate that model. And it's cool that you, you know, figured out how to deploy that internationally um, through your work with the Peace Corps, which is awesome. What I want to, what I want to now jump to, I know you were talking about from there, you left to join um, the Marin Community Foundation. Yeah. Can you walk us through, um, and I've always understood it kind of on two sides, but, you know, the purpose of community foundations and yeah. They exist and what they do and and what your um, I guess I don't want to say personal philosophy but what your take on the role of the community foundation in the philanthropic sector is yeah so um, great question big question um, and so just to kind of step back for one second so there are a variety of different types of foundations there's private foundations there's community foundations there's corporate foundations whatever so you may have like the um, let's say uh, Gates Foundation, private foundation. You may have the um, whatever, Packard uh, Foundation, um, whatever. So, so versus a community foundation. So Stephen, you're in Austin, right? That's right. So, um, so you have the Austin Community Foundation. Right. So here's how um, the purpose and how generally community foundations work. So for the most part, 
um, you have an individual or family or whatever that is concerned about their community and they may be philanthropic. And philanthropic may be like lowercase p. We're not talking, you don't need a trillion dollars to be philanthropic. You just you know care about your community and maybe write a check or volunteer or whatever and you're aware, right? So, um, so that's kind of, you know, that would be a, like a donor. So then if somebody, if I'm, a, if I'm philanthropic and I'm writing checks to, I don't know, Boys and Girls Club or whatever it is or, um, every year and, and I may be writing, you know, a check to here and there or whatever, it, like the philanthropy just gets a little bit crazy um, because you're just writing checks. Um, and you may not be learning about the organization. You may not be engaging with the organization, which is fine. Um, and checks are helpful too. So thank you. Um, but if you want to like actually have a little bit more of a strategic vision um, and partner with an organization to help you with that philanthropy, a community foundation is a great resource to do that. And so like Austin Community Foundation theoretically is going to know on the ground what's going on in Austin and the surrounding area. What are the nonprofits doing? What are the needs of the community? Who are the leaders there? And so they're gonna be a huge, huge resource for me as a you know philanthropic person, it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that was going on, or you know, affordable housing is the issue, or wow, it's water rights or whatever. So typically a community foundation would have program officers that can then meet with, or philanthropic service folks that can meet with donors and say, hi, here's what's going on with the community. Do you want to partner with us? And here's how you could give, you know, your interest even is music. So like let's talk about like music disparity and what that looks like in, you know poor neighborhoods and how come there aren't music classes or whatever the case may be, whatever your passion is. And so then they can help identify organizations for you to like partner with and learn about and, you know, fund and whatever. A lot of times too, the, um, someone will open up what's called a donor advised fund. Um, and so, you know, I may have like a liquidity event, which is a, um, you know, a polite way of saying, I just got a lot of dough. Um, and I may have sold a building or, you know, or whatever, sold a company or got a big, you know, inheritance or whatever. And so usually there's some event that occurs and there may be some sort of tax um, implication. And it's either A, you know, I'm going to get hit with this big tax bill um, and I'm, you know, or B, I can, you know, be philanthropic too. I may have some sort of tax event and I am definitely not a tax attorney, so please. Um, but but ba basically the idea is, if there's a liquidity event and you are philanthropic, it may be an interesting idea to think about opening up a donor advised fund at a community foundation because they're going to do all the work and um, and you get all the bennies. You get to go, you know, and meet everyone or not um, and learn about, you know, philanthropy and what's going on in your community. You're right. Let, let's unpack that a little bit, right? Yeah. We might make this a well, hopefully you're a reoccurring guest, but so we, we could, if we don't get to everything today, we'll yeah, yeah. another one of these, but um, I sort of want to unpack that a little bit about the dual role that I've always seen community foundations play. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really started at, with, with the second piece that you said, the latter there first, in other words, an individual has some sort of liquidity event or some series of wealth you have a couple of major options. You could go and start your own foundation, right? Just like- Bad idea, but go ahead. Or someone has, or you can have those dollars donated basically in your name, like held as a DAF. You can get mm -hmm. the tax benefit as the individual. And then over time, 
you can distribute those funds. Exactly. A lot of people, I mean, and it's not wrong or whatever, but just to say it, my always my take of community foundations is that, and I'm, I'm sincerely asking you, if there's any out there that really do this well, my original mentor, when I was learning about the nonprofit world, he basically explained to me community foundations, they, they're either this or they're that. And they're either, they're either focus is on essentially wealthy individuals and being a way for them to get all these tax advantages. So it's donated to the foundation. And then maybe it's annually, they'll sit down with that individual or that family and say, great, what do you want to support? Where, where are we going to give away money this year? Or it's the opposite where they're really like ingrained in the community and really doing a variety of like support and programs and services for the nonprofits. Like, but they're, they're on both sides, right. Of it, but they're, they're usually catered more towards um, the nonprofit side, either the nonprofit side or being a tool or a vehicle for wealthy individuals. And now we see the, I just want to add what, what I've seen more and more over the past, um, 10 years, but even that I've been at this the past like five to seven years is, you know, the, the scale that DAFs are starting to play for the quote, everyday person can set up a DAF. Now we work with global impact, which runs grow fund. It's charity Mm -hmm. guide for example. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you can set up a a grow fund account and that's even through charity charge. That's how we have our DAF. Right. And there were Mm -hmm. no, there were no minimums to do that. And it's a nominal service fee. Um, to have that set up. So I know that I sort of rambled there, but curious, like your take on, you know. Yeah, it's a good question. And so I I would say um, there are a variety of different types of community foundations. Um, There are small ones that may have $5 million um, on the balance sheet. Um, And then there are large ones. Um, Silicon Valley Community Foundation has, I want to say something like 14 billion with a B. Um, Community Foundation where I used to work is probably, I don't know, probably around two and a half billion with a B. Um, And to your first point though, I would say that a good community foundation is doing both, both things. And by that, I mean, they're working with you, Stephen, to um, to try and encourage you to be philanthropic, and you're right. Like once you write that, you know, letter or your your check to um, X Y Z Foundation uh, to open up a DAF, those dollars are out the door. You get that five hundred one c three write off that year, but like those dollars are technically now your DAF at that foundation. They're not yours. They're the foundations. You just get to describe typically or suggest or whatever. Um, where those grants go to. So, and again, I can unpack that and, and, but, but basically that's the, that's the idea. And for um, people, just for people listening too. So what happens a lot is that let's say an example in Silicon Valley or in Austin, someone has some sort of liquidity event. Let's say they, she, she, this female founder owns a business. They sell the business for a hundred million dollars they own 50% of it. So all of a sudden they're about to get $50 million. What they want to do is decrease the taxes on that. Right. And they want to do good as well. So the more efficient way to be able to ultimately give more out is donate 
a large chunk in that year, let's say they're receiving $50 million from the proceeds of the company. They donate, let's say half of it, $25 million to the Austin Community Foundation in a DAF that's in their name. They're now, they're able to write off, and I'm not tax officer, but $25 million. So they're only being taxed on what they're actually keeping. And then each year they're going to grant out a percent of that 25 million. And so that's where a lot of this got started. That's, that's the idea, like in general. And, and what I would always say is, you know, if you're cashing in a hundred million dollars and selling a hundred million dollar building or whatever business or whatever the case may be, then, um, you know, clearly talk to a tax accountant. Clearly you're going to be, you know, talking to a wealth advisor, but you're right. Um, you know, so, you know, just to be clear, neither you or I are an accountant nor a tax attorney. So just to be clear, however, in general, that is the idea. So you are going to take these funds and set up a fund at XYZ Community Foundation, where then you can say, okay, you know what? I just sold the building. I've got my DAF over at XYZ Foundation and my donor advice fund at this foundation and all good. I'll deal with that at another time. I'm gonna get the 501c3 write off. So my taxes will be you know, less or whatever um, this coming year. And I'll deal with philanthropy. You know, For now I'm going on vacation or whatever. I just sold my you know, company and peace. I'll deal with um, you know, a philanthropic strategy in 2022. So it's nice because the money is there. It's not going anywhere. And then you can start thinking about what you want to do with, with those dollars. And that's when you really connect with um, the foundation and just to learn a little bit more about the community that you care about. And sure. for the most part, you can, you know, with, with any community foundation or for most community foundations, you can grant anywhere in the community, but you can also grant internationally too. So it doesn't necessarily mean you can only grant to Austin-based organizations. You can grant to whatever, Tennessee or um, I don't know, Romania. It's a really great, look, I think it's a really great model. And I was trying to give the, the practical example, but you could imagine why the Silicon Valley Community Foundation is so large. A lot of people have had a lot of very large exits and they serve sort of as that bridge and that gap to get more dollars to nonprofits, do it in a way that uh, is impactful and efficient but also is a, a guide and an advisor to those individuals that start the foundation. I think a lot of people even ask me, just knowing that I'm in this world, hey, what's a, what nonprofit you recommend I support? Or even sometimes people just ask me that broadly, or they'll say, I really care about the environment. Stephen, what's an organization that you're aware of that's great, right? And we have, we have the, the charity navigators of the world and things of that sort, but I think having that sort of personalized community professional advice helps get you, uh, you know, just to feel good about where you're ultimately putting your dollars and the impact that might happen from that. Right. Because, you know, it's, a, it's, I mean, one thing you could just say like, okay, how about for humanity or whatever, you know, something real quick, but like, you know, if you really want to be thoughtful, like have a conversation, Stephen, like, what do you care about? And wow. Like what, like usually I start with why, like, why do you care? What is it about, you know, this topic that draws you to, I don't know, affordable housing or cancer research or, you know, arts in schools or whatever, and then to try and understand why, and then is there, you know, a geography or 
or a population that you care about? Is it single moms? Is it kids of color? Is it like, what is it? And then trying to narrow in and tease apart, like, okay, like, wow, we can actually support that type of organization and, you know, that, you know, whatever community. Awesome. So that, that's really the role of a community foundation is to, is to have that local knowledge and work with the donor to understand their concerns and their ideas and wishes and all of that. And to basically be a vehicle to then, um, support the community. Um, and there's, you know, a million other things, there's convenings that, um, foundations do as well and donor events and, and all of that. But, um, but no, it's, it's a good, it's a good thing to look at if you're thinking you're going to be philanthropic and you don't need a hundred million dollars to do that. You can, you know, many, many foundations will open up a, um, a DAF with 10,000. Some will do it with more. Um, so. Some will do it with zero. Yeah. Um, no minimum. I shouldn't say zero. You can put a buck in there, but you know, I just, again, things like um, growth yeah. fund that, that Global Impact runs. And I think there's some other programs like that um, around the country. Something, somewhere where I want to go, which I wasn't expecting, but I want to get your opinion on this, Mark, is, so I'm going to be a little blunt here, not really massaging my words, but I want to talk about, uh, are there bad nonprofits, right? Um, or, you know, I think about, so I think about business, for example, right? If I think about the products and the services I use, by and large, I am using ones that were able to have the biggest brand or in this day and age of just how you can run Facebook ads, um, Instagram, et cetera. I'm buying the things that just get the most publicity or the most noise that get in front of me. Um, and it's something interesting that, I, that I'm buying or purchasing. We hear, you know, and I, I think it, it's, un, it's unfortunate that there's situations where there's fraud in the nonprofit space or dollars aren't used efficiently, right? And then there's other organizations though that are doing, and I'm aware of them, right? That are doing awesome work, great, great leaders. Maybe they're not good at marketing and maybe not getting their word out there, right? And there's always like, I found like a tension between the fundraising or development side and then the core people providing those services. So when I think about, um, you know, the role that these foundations might play I hope that it's to steward dollars to the organizations that are really making that that real impact versus the ones that may be really good at marketing but not being an efficient store. So I wish that I had a specific question. I like to sort of- No, no, let me see if I can take that. So let me see if I can take that. So for the most part, in I should say many foundations when they're working with donors, they don't wanna say, Stephen, you should direct your funds to X, Y, Z where we've got this thing, you should you know, give us money because blah, blah, blah. So they're trying to meet the donor where the donor's at. Again, like what is that long-term play? What does that relationship look like? What are those interests? What are the, you know, what, do you, what are your concerns about the community? And then we can you know, direct them. There's a tension right now in, um, in foundations and philanthropy in general uh, around this issue. And so some foundations um, are leading with equity. Um, and when I say equity, I'm talking about um, communities of color and low-income communities and, you know, the disparity of folks that have money and folks that may not have money or haven't been given a fair shake or whatever. And, um, and so some foundations are leading with that concept. 
But then when you talk with a donor, you don't want to push the donor away and just say like, hey, that's not really my issue. I'm more into oceans and whatever. So there's a there's a kind of a tension there between, you know, leading a donor and um, and also meeting them where they're at, because a community foundation and foundations in general are also businesses. So, you know, to be clear, like I, the more, the larger the organization and the larger the foundation, the, you know, the more money they have and, and, you know, everyone gets paid. So all good. So you can't really piss off your client in general, but that said, you can also lead with, and I think the, the, the uh, more progressive ones um, are leading with these concepts, which are long overdue to have discussions about around equity issues. So, and equity shows up in everything. Um, so anyway, so there's a little bit of a tension there. Um, and again, I think it's just about meeting where the, where the uh, donor is and, and educating. And everybody wants to know what's going on in their community. And, and I think the better educated a donor is, the better they, the decisions they make. I appreciate that. And that's a thoughtful response, explaining it through the lens of the, the purpose and the role that the foundations play. I think a more pointed question I would just have to you is what are your thoughts on these big brand name nonprofit organizations that may bring in? So I'm just, what's coming yeah. top of mind might be, you know, March of Dimes or right. United, you know, United Way National, although there's a lot of local groups and we work with many of them yeah. um, or, um, yeah. So, so here's here's how here's my two cents on that. So one, um, so and, and so let's take breast cancer, right? So breast cancer, there's like you know a million different funds and a million different organizations, and sometimes it's like you know the ones that are like actually connecting, um, you know, with folks, with women or men or whatever, um, on the um, you know at at the community level, are not going to have a pink blender um, at sold at Target, right? So, um, so, but there's a role many times for everyone, right? So there's a role for the Susan P. Corman. There's a role for Breast Cancer Fund. There's a, you know, there's a role for a variety of different organizations. What folks typically look at is how much of my dollar that I'm giving you is actually going to services. Um, and so then you say, okay, well, 99 cents on the dollar is going to community benefits and, and community. Well, that may or may not be true because um, as the executive director and I've got staff and I've got nurses on you know, scene or docs or whatever, like they have to get paid, right? And then there's also a marketing um, folks, there's fundraising, there's, you know, rent, there's, so like you really have to pull back the, um, you really have to pull back the, the lens on what the outcomes are that you want to see and what the outcomes the organization is actually making. It may not just be, just because they're big and flashy and have name recognition, that does not necessarily mean that they're getting the most amount of impact in your community. Well said, well said, I appreciate that. Um, as we st start to head a little bit toward the tail end, but this is maybe a teen it up for something in the future that we'll, an episode or so that we'll do together. Talk to us now about the role that you're currently in when you think about um, American nonprofits and community capital advisors and what ultimately, what are the problems you're solving there and why are you excited about that? Great question. So um, I manage two different firms. So one is called American Nonprofits, one's called Community Capital Advisors. American Nonprofits is a, uh, is a 
Work Fund based in um, we work with nonprofits. Cut out. Do you mind just repeating about American nonprofits? Yeah. Can you hear me? Perfect. Yep. It was just okay. a little slight yep. for good year. So American nonprofits is trying to um, basically do the same thing that we did in Romania with um, with debt um, as the credit union, but but a slight twist. We're working with nonprofits that um, need financing, um, and it's typically short term financing. And here's what here's what the issue is. An organization doing great work um, receives a grant. And, um, and so the organization's like, yay, we can now go save whatever, 100 baby seals. So they go out and start saving baby seals. And, um, but that grant actually doesn't show up for another six months. And it's like, hello, where's my money? Where's my money? And then uh, another month goes by. And in the meantime, the organization is, you know, is spending money. Um, and, um, and so anyway, so, but we know that that grant is coming in. So the organization basically just needs a bridge loan. And that's what we do is we provide bridge financing. It's, um, low interest unsecured, and we're really working with organizations, small organizations that can't access debt from a bank that can't access, um, debt for the most part for, um, a, um, uh, what's called a community development financial institution, which we can talk out uh, at another time. So anyway, so we're providing debt finance and and also um, and technical assistance to help organizations learn about finance and cash flow and what does that look like. So that's that's um, American nonprofits in a nutshell. The um, community capital advisors um, is a team that I lead. And we work with foundations across the country, supporting them on what's called the fancy term now is impact investing. Um, and so we work with foundations to create these impact investing portfolios where they can work with donors or their own money um, and invest it, um, not in Wall Street, but in the community. So for example, um, an organization needs to, is an affordable housing developer and they're going to buy a piece of property over there and build affordable housing, but they don't have the funds up front or the funds um, that are available are from a bank and it's 8% but the community foundation could provide a 2% loan and save that organization a fair bit of dough um, in the meantime. So then a bank would come and take out the, the loan for the acquisition um, uh, through a construction loan and, you know, and on and on we go. But um, so the idea is how do we set up the frameworks for foundations to support impact investing? And for the most part, what we do is we, we partner with foundations, um, the uh, CFO, board members, program folks, um, and teach them about how to employ a new tool from the toolbox. Because usually it's like convening, donors, and grants. That's all you got. But are you able to make a loan? And you can um, and so we hold everyone's hands uh, and, and do that um, for them and create those processes and procedures and, and all of that. And that's basically what I did at Marin for a dozen years. And tell us for both of those organizations, the website and or where people can get involved. Sure, sure. So um, AmericanNonprofits.org, um, nonprofits with an S, um, and Community American, Capital. American, American Nonprofits with an S, um, .org, um, and also um, communitycapitaladvisors.us. So um, communitycapitaladvisors.us and um, 
yeah, and you can learn there and set up a call with me and would love to yammer on poetically. That's awesome. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna, I wanna do a future episode actually where we're yeah, yeah. more of the nuts and bolts of cool. specifically both of those, but also American nonprofits. But Mark, thank you so much for being on this episode of the Charity Charge Show. Appreciate it. Appreciate everyone who continues to listen in and support us. Love it. Great. Thanks so much, Stephen. I enjoyed and I look forward to future episodes.